Oh, well, welcome back to Your Story, the only podcast where our guests will tell theirs with the help of only 12 questions in ideally under 30 minutes. Tonight, we are joined by Electra Gavoni. She's the CEO of TAB Boston Northwest in Burlington here in Massachusetts. With over 30 years experience in the fintech industry, she's a skilled executive who specializes in leading transformative change in companies, delivering operational excellence, streamlined technology, and empowering a diverse and engaged workforce at SSGA, State Street Research and Management, Eagle Investment Systems, and BNY Mellon. Electra, we are thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And that's quite the resume. I do want to start with um, fintech. That's something yeah. that I think means different things to different folks and is kind of evolving. Uh, mm. where, where do you see it today and how does it, uh, how does it the center of your business currently? You know, it is a fast paced world driven by many factors. Uh, and, uh, and so finance, the financial services world and their reliance on technology has only grown. And my focus when I, um, you know, work for those companies that you, you listed was working within the investment management process, helping portfolio managers make investment decisions, be able to call out performance. Where did your alpha come from on a particular investment? Um, seeing that the back office run ran as fast as possible because it, what they were showing is timeframes were shrinking, uh, things were ha needing to be instantaneous. And so the reliance on technology and the fact that it needed to be bulletproof was a part of the continual challenge of working in that space. It, it, there, you know, the notion of a downtime, not, not in the financial world, those clocks were always going. So, so it's a challenging place, but uh, you learned a ton. I'm glad you phrase it that way, specifically bulletproof. Was there a time that it wasn't and it had to work up to it? Or was it bulletproof from the start and they just had to kind of get get there before? It's like, we'll, we'll try this, but it has to be perfect. You know, there used to be, and, and when I started, and I won't say exactly when, but it's, <laughs> let's just say it was a few years ago, yeah. um, there was more of an acceptable notion of, you know what, during this window, we're going to be down for maintenance and don't expect this. And, and the notion of expectations were um, much more like next day or sure, we'll get that done a week from now. Um, and, and over time, and it didn't take much, uh, there was the, you know, more and more was like, no, 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 there is no downtime. There is no, next week it's it's tomorrow or the next five minutes um and so it just continued to to crank the pressure up on what did the technology make possible and um and how can we be as engineers uh as people who can design these infrastructures how how much redundancies can we build how much bulletproof practices from design into implementation can we do so that we live up to that challenge? And, uh, you know, <laughs> we would try, <laughs> we would try really hard. And if, if it didn't work out, you were 
basically on the clock until whatever it took to get back. That, that's a good answer, and that uh, that paints uh, paints a picture of the kind of the evolution of the process. Uh, as part of your very impressive resume, is your current position with TAB or the alternative board? Uh, who who do you work with, and, and tell me who should who should get to know the alternative board if they don't already? Well, I work with business owners, and they're business owners, privately held companies in which. The business owner is active in that business. Um, it can be a solopreneur. And honestly, it can be in terms of a, a medium-sized company. Those are, that's probably the sweet spot. So maybe, maybe 200 people. And it is all about trying to find the balance of what it is, what's the vision for your company, what you want to see happen in that company, and how do we balance that with your own personal vision for like, why did you want to start this company in the first place? And what did you hope to get out of it? And see that the, the vision you have for your company and the vision you have personally are intertwined in a really healthy way. And we, we, we are looking at the, what is strategically important about how to move forward towards these goals. And honestly, if it's early stage, it could be about how do we ramp up getting your first set of clients? How do you make your first hires? Uh, to you know, later stage, it might be all about how do you scale? How do you get really efficient and, and grow your margins? Or how do you retire and sell this business? And anything in between. And so a part of working on a business strategically, you are, I'm, I'm absolutely working one-on-one -on -one to understand all these things. But a part of what I do is I bring business owners together in a peer advisory board. So at most, there's 10 business owners. Typically, their businesses are in a similar size and dimension. And we get together on a monthly basis. And this is a safe space. This is a space to work on what's hard, what's strategic, the things that are challenging you. Yes, we want to hear about your successes, but we're really much more interested on the stuff that's keeping you up at night. Yeah, of course. And, um, and so let's take the armor off and let's, let's go in there and say, it's okay. I have this problem and I honestly don't even know where to start. Here's, here's what I know. What do you think? And you've got other people who have traveled different roads, maybe different industries, no direct competition in the room because it is a safe space. And we take it on. We share what we know. We share what we've tried that's worked, what hasn't worked. So please avoid. And here's why. And, um, and, and then ultimately commitment for action. So it's wonderful that we come up with all these great ideas. But if you don't commit to taking action in, in your business, then it's all just kind of, you know, good, good talking to you. <laughs> yeah, just um, talk. It's, it's just talk. We want action. We want action, too. We want smart action. And so so with my one on one time with the business owner, with our next board meeting, we're going to be talking <laughs> about what happened. <laughs> So, so that's how I, that's what, that's the type of work that I do with business owners. That's excellent. And 
the accountability piece there, I, I think, it mm-hmm. is, as you mentioned, really important because it can be the kind of space where it's listen to all these good things that are happening and I'm going to do this. But if there isn't the follow up, there isn't did this happen, that uh, things will easily fall through the crack. Yeah. Um, you mentioned yeah. a, a lot of uh, a lot of things I want to follow up on. The first is the peer advisory board and the one on one component. How mm-hmm. how did logistically how does that start do you interview um, candidates do people come to you what does that look like up front you do and and in in you're trying to build when you're trying to look at what a good board looks like there's different factors you take into account there's there's one is this a person who is a lifelong learner there's a mindset that being in a in a mastermind that it's very helpful if you want if you enjoy the giving and sharing as well as the fact that you don't want to be the smartest person in every room, that there's a ton to learn. And these folks are here to help. Um, so there's a mindset that I look for. There's a business acumen that I look for. I, I really try and cover a lot of bases. So if someone has initially, regardless of what their business is, a financial background, technology, cover, you know, marketing, sales, operations, that's a wonderful way of building a very well-rounded business set of minds, looking at the challenges that arise. And then we also use disk profile to get a sense of people's decision-making style. Um, you know, some people are big picture thinkers. Some people are down in the weeds doing bottom-up analysis. The reality is it's all good. It's just that let's not all be one way. So a, a strong, diverse board is a powerful one. I like that because that's important, both in the understanding what everyone's preferences and, and how they learn, what they learn, what their styles are, but then putting a value on differing industries, differing opinions, diverse backgrounds, because a lot of times that if, if you are spending too much time in your business or that's the only uh, voice you listen to, that you, you're not, you don't have that objective view anymore. Yeah. And kind of yeah. with that, uh, you mentioned solopreneurs and companies up to 200. How do you mm. balance that uh, power dynamic, the background? How does that look in, in the actual board meetings? So they're, they're, the boards are typically structured um, in, by size. So chances are a solopreneur is not going to be on the same board as a CEO with, you know, say 100 employees. And the reality is the nature of their challenges are going to be very different. So, so we do use a level of size and complexity as um, a broad factor in, in building a board. And so, and I also say that, that um, it's, it's also nice to kind of bring these folks together too, because one, you do learn and fresh voices at different perspectives. Um, and so, so largely the, the board you meet with monthly is going to be more in line with the size and complexity, but we might have a mixer. We might have an event that brings folks together and mix it up, uh, so that we can continue, uh, to, to be diverse and, and add value in different ways. Excellent. And when the business owners come to work with you, uh, is this a commitment where they will, you mentioned a monthly meeting. Mm. Are they ever, I want to say, graduating from the board, but do you find that they have a mentor role for new businesses coming in or their classes? How does that look? 
Yeah. So a couple of things happen in that dimension. Like um, we're starting up something called an accelerator board. It's really built for new entrepreneurs, people who haven't developed a business in the past. So we're going to lean a little bit heavier on business fundamentals there. Now there's going to come a time in which they may have outgrown the content. And so they can graduate to a different board. So they, their, their, their business has grown enough. It's more complex so they can graduate to another board. And, and then, you, you know, and say you have the instance in which um, a company is sold and, um, and, and yet that business owner really loves the give and take. And so having that business owner who may not be, it may be more of an advisor, they can come as a guest advisor and sit and continue to share all that they've learned. They may not have a particular challenge that they want to throw out on the table, but they certainly want to help and advise. That's, that's the kind of environment where I think that as you're, as you're fostering the dialogue between the current board members, board members who've been through it, that there's going to be a lot of growth. And, and as you mentioned up front, that it's the stuff that's not working or it's the problems and how can we help each other? And I think that's where you will see a lot of impact. Uh, part of your bio is as an executive coach. Uh, do you find that executives like to be coached or what challenges <laughs> do you see when you kind of start that relationship? <laughs> you know, sometimes when it comes to executive coaching, you could potentially being, being asked to come in to, uh, by not by the person who ultimately is 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 being up for coaching but maybe by a bigger part of the organization who thinks that this person needs development a certain way so sometimes that's the entry point and there may be a level of resistance to say like i don't need this i'm being told to do this and so fine let's go through the motions and clearly any we want to move beyond that mindset if we're truly going to make any progress but for the person who is aware that they need to develop in some way, and it's not uncommon to talk to folks who are saying, I need to develop my leadership skills. I know that I get stuck in the weeds. I know I have a tendency to micromanage. In this position that I'm in right now, I cannot function and do be this way. So I need help transitioning. Maybe I'm not a great communicator. I, um, I hate speaking in front of large audiences. It can come in different uh, forms. The more uh, self-aware someone is at the starting point to at least have identified a challenge, um, the easier it is to start to actively engage in new behaviors, new activities that lead to new outcomes. I'm glad you said self-aware there because I think that can help a lot, especially the beginning of a coaching relationship, to understand as you reference a few weaknesses or areas that could be improved on. Um, in some instances, do you have a relationship that starts, I, I need to work on this and make this better, and then kind of during during the conversation, during the, the work together, you realize this, that's actually not the problem. It's something <laughs> else. Not only do I have to fix that, I have to convince them that that, that is the issue. Yes. And it's, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. There are times in which you start thinking that you have a particular outcome you're seeking, and then you realize through exploring kind of what's happening and what the patterns are, that there's maybe something fundamental 
that was not in the equation when you first <laughs> started. And, um, you know, a, a coach, and, and usually when I start working with someone, you spend some time differentiating what it, what's different from a coach than a consultant. Um, you know, a consultant is often like you're, you're hiring them for their expertise. They might be a hired gun and, um, and they're often sort of hands-on getting the specific challenge solved with a coach, your exploration. It's more about how do we come at things? How do we, how do we, um, question, how do we view things from different perspectives? How do we take, um, you know, incremental action and, and look at behaviors that might, um, need to be adapted. And you do learn a ton (laughs) in this process. It can be one of these, like, oh, wow, I have a, I have a pattern here. You start to talk about specific situations and then, um, and then you start to like, okay, now let's, let's dial out a little, (laughs) let's, Let's look at it from a broader view. And, and now let's look at a, a pattern that is emerging. Uh, often someone is so close to the situation that it's actually really hard to see it. And, and, and this is where coaching becomes amazingly powerful is you're stuck. You keep looking in the mirror, trying to figure it out, and you're just not getting there. And a coach can be interruptive. They can show you a mirror in a different way in which we're going to look over here. We're going to talk about this differently. And it's when the, the lights start going on and now it's like, okay, now how serious are you about a different activity or a different outcome? Now let's, let's, let's work on scenarios that allow us to exercise some different muscles. Um, you know, leaders are often, you know, very knowledgeable. They came up with a level of expertise in a specific area. And often they feel as if they need to just dictate to others what they should be doing. And yes, that there are maybe times in which that's exactly, usually say in a time of crisis, it's like, okay, get, you know, let's move through a crisis. However, if your goal is to have a powerful company with empowered people, it becomes less and less about what you specifically know and more and more about what the collective can do. So now if you're someone who, you know, walks into this saying, well, I need to be the center of this. I need to be the smartest person. It's really kind of a short-term win strategy. How about developing a leadership team or depths in your organization that are empowered and bringing their smart ideas? And what more can you leverage when you've got 10 great minds versus you trying to be the great mind? So, but it can take a a big shift to not have to be that center person. Uh, I I love that answer because it talks about... uh, a lot, a lot of great stuff there, but mainly the, the part that I want to first highlight, the spotlighting that uh, sometimes one individual might be too deep into what they're doing and you help them kind of see something that they can't see because of their position. And then being able to take a step back, open up, and then realize that 
their business is more than just them and that, that with their team, with their group, with the organization, however large it might be, that there are uh, other ways to get the work done, maybe better, more efficient ways to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you ever want to sell it, let me tell you, it can't just be about you. That is not where the value is so so and it can take years to to build what needs to happen so you get top dollar and that's that's a good segue you mentioned up front that helping business owners see that their business is an asset and you want them to ultimately have a valuable asset that someday if they so want to they can sell this uh, how hard is that especially with the newer uh, early stage businesses the smaller businesses to have that distinction of you're doing great work in your business. We need to also focus on the work on your business to turn it into something that can function without you or with a team. Mm. Some, some early stage entrepreneurs are building the business very much with the exit in mind. So from the very get go, they're like, I want to be in this for five years and then I want this company to buy me out. And when you are, working with that mindset, you're already setting the stage to say, okay, that's the goal. What, what do we need to do here? Like what has to happen on the product side? What has to happen? You know, it, cause often you're talking about who are the people, who are the systems? Um, how is it repeatable? How is it unique? And, um, you know, you, you show a level of business acumen that you can develop all of this and and keep that goal in mind of in five years um i want to be on to my next company so so that can be from the very start for for many i talked to many entrepreneurs who they were in business before they even knew it like all of a sudden something they were doing became a business and they said i guess i'm in business and so for those often you know they had a particular skill and expertise that people appreciated and they, they trusted this person and they they their business grew though that's the harder equation <laughs> because they're just loving what they're doing and honestly all their all their personal energy is to go into being that great picket i don't know engineer architect however <laughs> running a business is a much broader thing you need you need to have that talent, but you need to be doing other things, especially as you start to grow and there's more people in the equation and you're servicing more clients and the expectations growing. So how to orchestrate the shift to grow a business is really when it's important that you put your business owner hat on first and not just your say architect hat. But Electra, I'm a really good architect. Why can't I just do that? <laughs> well, for some folks, the notion is if that's all you want, if you want to be a solo, if if you're if your intention, and I always start with what's your goal and intention, what's your vision? If it is truly to be a, a single entrepreneur with a, a, a good small size business and on which I pick and choose the clients I want and I have so much referral business, I'm turning them away. You might just be working that as well as you are and, and you're happy. <laughs> However, if your intentions are something different, you imagine having a 10 person engineering firm and you want to take on certain sized projects 
And you need to show up in a different way so that those size projects are actually, you're viewed as being in the, uh, in the running for that. All right, now let's talk about, about how we get there. Because it's not just being excellent. It, it's sadly, you almost wish it was, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's required, but it's not the only thing. Yes. And, and uh, you, ha you haven't said it directly, but you've referenced it a couple times. And I, I think it's, it, it's such a great, uh, great way you look at it that you need to have a, a process, a system, a, a way that you do things. But there's a real value on each business's vision and where they want to end up. And you kind of, mm. it sounds like you marry those two things where it's not, here's the only way to do it. Or, you know, we're going to start from scratch each time that you, that you are, you've done this in enough, in enough different areas and with enough successful businesses that you recognize, look, we need structure, but we need to build it to your business. Uh, so I, I think that's probably, and this is a rambling question here, but that's probably helped in, in shaping some of the earlier businesses as well as refining and, uh, sharpening some of the businesses that might have struggled up front. Yeah, there, there's, you know, it's not unusual with the successful business that there is a bit of a secret sauce. There's something special about what they're doing and how they're differentiating. And you never want to lose that. You want to be very clear on what that is and why your clients love you. On the other hand, there are some things that you really don't have to reinvent the wheel on. Because there is good, say, technology and services that you might be able to buy and subscribe to that makes you so much more efficient without losing the secret sauce. And, and you know, yes, in, in many cases, sometimes business owners think, well, you couldn't possibly because we're so, so, so unique. And the reality is, once you strip a lot away, there's there's some percentage that absolutely is unique. There's a lot that isn't. There's a lot, and, and it's almost like a good 75% that comes into like just strong business fundamentals, regardless of industry, regardless of size of business, that, um, that yes, you're a wonderful, unique star, um, but let's get really smart about the other stuff because that can be the stuff that weighs you down and and really hinders your ability to to be the star that you want to be and knowing that that can be a moving target because you have goals and a, a vision in mind for where you want to go so how do we continue to invest in your business in a smart way that this train keeps moving um and uh and, and the reality of us, most of us can't just sit and say, I've solved this. I'm good. Because look how much changes around us so quickly. And, and you don't want to be the one wondering what happened. Where did it all go? <laughs> you want to be in front of that. And that takes that business investment of, of being that business owner with your eyes wide open. Yeah, that, that kind of foresight to know that things are going to evolve things are going to change and i need to be be proactive with it I, I can't remember the exact quote but it was when you have to do something and when you must do uh what's in front of you it's too late and it's much harder and you're going to pay a heftier price if you if you have the opportunity to even start beforehand it's it, it makes that it makes that so much more palatable um, we are close Very to time uh, oh. I, but I, which I'm shocked with, we are flying, but I wanted to ask you one more coaching question then we'll get into mm. some fun, more fun stuff. Uh, with, with these conversations with people invested so uh, 
probably passionately in their business, would think that there are some uh, personality or personal coaching that might come up in, in these sessions or the one-on-ones. Yeah. Uh, do you see that a lot? And how, how do you handle that? Um, yes. I, I have to tell you, the notion of mindset is huge. And when it comes to having a mindset that really sets you up to deal with the fact, to, to be resilient, let's just start there. Stuff's going to happen. And if you are so attached to a specific outcome that you cannot see anything but that, and, and let's face it, not everything goes as planned. And so you could be very rigid, say, this is the only way we can be successful. And if we don't do this, we failed. And now you can sit in the mud like that for a really long time and talk about the time that it it, it all blew up and it was awful and look at the scars on my back. Okay, great. Now let's, let's, let's view this a little differently. Let's say you have a mindset that is going to work really hard to achieve the outcome, but when it doesn't happen exactly as planned, you're able to sort of look at the situation for, all right, what do we learn? What else is now possible? what can I now do? So what's the opportunity in the mix here? And how quickly do you go from being deeply disappointed in something that didn't go exactly as you planned to being able to get energized about something else and, and figure out a next iteration? Because though it's, it is that mindset, because this is a, you choose to be self-employed and run your own business it is hard <laughs> and there's a lot on your shoulders and the stronger your mindset is and the more resilient you are the more you are you're 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 you got your sneakers on you're on the balls of your feet and you're going to be able to move in different directions with agility those conversations are rich ones and they um they're really important in the mindset of the entrepreneur who who doesn't just exhaust themselves and then just say, okay, I just got to go find a nine to five job because <laughs> this is stopping fun a long time ago. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with a nine to five job. But I, I really love that answer about the mindset and asking, you know, this has happened. What else is now possible? Because that's the way you can kind of look at it, that things are going to change. Things are going to go wrong. And this is not what I planned for. All right. But it, it, it's the actual, it's actually what's in front of me or it's, it's that's reality. right. What can I yeah. do now? Oh. Yep. That's I love that. And, you know, besides shaping the businesses of your clients and really helping these business owners out, what do you do for fun or, or what do you uh, what do you do when you're when you're not uh, running that tab? There was a time I would say we traveled. <laughs> we haven't in the last two years. So I would love to look forward to that. I've been eyeing like all sorts of like adventures. At some point I'm going to make it to Australia and I'm just going to be there in New Zealand for like a month and a half. However, in the meanwhile, um, I really love, so we're kind of addicted to sports. And so we're watching all sorts of sports now, including the Olympics. Okay. So I enjoy that. I'd love to read. I have a beautiful dog named Bambi, a little shelter dog. And uh, I love spending time with her and my husband um, and seeing friends. I love cooking. I love music. Oh, I miss live shows. 
That's another thing. <laughs> so many good answers. So I'm going to quickly follow up on some of this stuff. Winter or Summer Olympics, if you had to choose one. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because I can. Of course, I'm watching the Winter Olympics right now, and I'm I'm very much enjoying it. So right now, I'm going to say the Winter Olympics. Okay. Uh, how big is Bambi, and what type of dog? So she's about 35 pounds, and she's a mix. The uh, shelter said that she was a spaniel mix, but honestly, she's a chow mix, and um, she's a little drama queen. <laughs> And I love her anyway, uh, but she's, she's, but God love her. She's, she's 14 years old. So we're wow. getting up in years okay. and, and the care in, in, of Bambi has taken on new dimensions, <laughs> but uh, she's hanging in there. So we are too. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, you start off with traveling as a uh, favorite of yours. Mm. Where beside you mentioned Australia, but yeah. where do you think your next trip will be? Or will it be Australia? Oh, I, I not because I really want to land and stay because chances are how long it's taken me to get there. I'm not going to want to be on a plane for a while. So I'm currently eyeing like I, I really want to go to Italy. And I would love to just kind of hang in the Tuscan region, maybe the Amalfi Coast. Get getting even better. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. And since you mentioned you like to cook and you mentioned Tuscany and the Amalfi Coast, two of the most beautiful areas in the world, what would you what would, what would be the perfect dinner for you there? Ooh. Oh wow, you're talking Italian cuisine. Look out. I uh you know what I really love? I love, I love, I kind of like a Northern Italian cuisine. So a little bit less on the red sauce, although yeah, nothing. I love red sauces, but I love like a Marcella or a piccata, um, like lightly. Yeah. So that's one of my favorites, like a chicken or veal, um, uh, Marcella or piccata, one of my favorites. Good answer. And then lastly, you mentioned music and live shows. What was the last mm. concert you saw? Oh, <laughs> you know, we've seen a lot of comedians lately. Like, like I think we saw like Louis Black not that long ago. Um, I think it was Heart. Wow, okay. So yes, this is a band from my youth that I could, that was continually touring, and I've always envisioned myself as a, a you know. Uh, Ann Wilson wannabe. So I would say with heart. Good answer. I wouldn't have come up with this. I like that. Um, <laughs> where can our listeners find you if they want to find out more about you, more about Tab, or your music and uh, <laughs> traveling uh, interests? Well, I, I'm now going to break into a rendition of Magic Man. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So where you can find me? I'm absolutely on on um, you know on LinkedIn, and I'd love to see you there. Um, the alternative board of uh, Boston Dash Northwest is uh, my website, and I'd love to see you there. And um, I have to say, I haven't been on Facebook in a while. I used to have a Facebook page, but I, I, I won't, I won't, I won't point anyone there because I really haven't been hanging out there much. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> uh, well, lecture. This has been a ton of fun. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us loved hearing your story and uh, look forward to next time. So thank you very much.
Thank you. It was my pleasure.